Good afternoon, everyone. I hope everyone's having a good day. A little bit, little bit nicer weather, as some of you might say, this week than it was last week. Um, on that note, we are doing, I'm doing the summary right now from the class that, that took place on January 26th, because as you know, we did not have uh, Wednesday night services last week. Uh, and um, which would have been February February second, uh, because it was snowing hard <laughs> about the time we would have would have been rolling into class. So um, tonight we will we will go ahead and continue with with First Corinthians chapter nine. Um, a couple of weeks ago we weren't able to get all the way through the chapter. It's a pretty big section, so I tried to divide it in the in the most um, applicable place um, and. Hopefully it will it will work okay for us tonight. I'm really excited about class tonight. But first of all, let's go ahead and um, take a look at the first half of our first two thirds or so of, of chapter nineteen or chapter nine. And again, this is First Corinthians chapter nine verses one through eighteen. First Corinthians nine one through eighteen. If you want to press pause, take a little bit of time to read that. That would be a, a really good thing. We'll talk about it just a little bit and wrap this up. Okay, hopefully you took the time to read that. Um, if you were reading chapter 8 um, and then moving into chapter 10 and skipped chapter 9, you wouldn't hardly miss a beat. And what I mean by that is um, chapter 9 seems to be kind of a side note, if you will, or or a little bit of a, what you might think is a surprising detour when it actually is not. Um, Paul is in the subject of the freedom of, of eating meat sacrificed to idols that, that believe believers have, but the willingness that his his listeners there in Corinth should have to give up that freedom if that was going to cause um, any of their brothers or sisters in Christ to stumble. So on the note of those freedoms, and, and Paul, his willingness by example to give up that freedom, um, there were those within the church in Corinth who would take the, Paul's voluntary abandonment of freedom here, um, in this case of meat sacrificed to idols, to attack his apostleship, saying, well, if he's a real apostle, he would, he would, he would fully um, take, take advantage of the freedoms that he has. And you see, meat sacrificed to idols is not the only freedom that Paul willingly gave up in his time spent there in Corinth. So that's what we're going to be looking at um, in the, in the next well, about the next 18 verses or so. Um, actually, moving all through the entire chapter, as I said, we'll, we'll talk just a little bit about what we're going to look at tonight as we wrap up. Um, the question is, uh, and if this is a question that was posed or just a question that Paul knew of um, there in Corinth from his correspondence with them, there were those who were questioning his use or lack of use of apostolic freedom and questioning whether or not he really truly was an apostle. Um, and to, to answer that, I mean, this is what it would look like. They would, his, his doubters would say, if he is a true apostle, he would exercise his rights. Well, Paul counters that with four questions of his own. And these are four questions that Paul uses um, to to what designates an apostle. First of all, number one, I'm an apostle, uh, must see Jesus. So the question is, have I not seen Jesus? The answer is yes. Um, he had seen Jesus like the other apostles. Now his experience of seeing Jesus was somewhat different, but he had seen the risen Christ. Second question is this, 
does, doesn't your existence testify of my apostleships? Meaning the existence of the church in Corinth. After all, why would they be doubting his apostleship? He's the one who planted the church there. Now, by the time this letter is written, there are others who had come in there. Apollos um, was one, um, and the apostle Peter another, and there were those who who were wanting to line up, as we've already seen, under them rather than Paul. And Paul said, no, you do not line up under anybody other than Christ. And But Paul does make it clear. He says, yes, your existence testifies of my apostleship. You are a seal of my apostleship. Um, as we continue down through verses 3 and 4, he says that he asks this question, do I or we, he and Barnabas, have the right to eat and drink freely? The question is yes. As apostles, they do. Even as believers, they do. Um, and what he's getting at with that, as we'll see as he'll dive into a little bit deeper, is does he have, do they not have the right to receive support from their converts, um, financial support? And the, the last question that he asks in verse 5 is this, do we, do we or I have the right to marry? The answer to that is yes. Um, and what he's getting at with that is this. There were apostles who were married. Um, Peter was one of them, who it seems like their wives would travel with them in their uh, ministry, in their mission travels. And so what that meant is that if they were going to be supported by converts, uh, their spouses would need to be supported as well. So, uh, so yes, we do have that right. We have the right to do this, and, and our spouse, if we do choose to marry, um, has the right to be supported by you as well. Um, as we continue on, as we move through this, like I said, we're going to move this pretty quick. It really, really, the for good reason, the last hat, last third or so of this chapter is is what we'll really focus on this week. Um, but this this is what sets it up very, very well. And just so you know, historically speaking, the reason that Paul brings this up is it seems like this. Paul, when he was working with planting the church in Corinth, he chose not to receive any sort of financial support from them. Uh, he was a tent maker. As a matter of fact, Priscilla and Aquila, Christians from Rome, met up with him in Corinth. They met. They hit it off. Um, had a lot in common. They were all those who preached the message of Jesus, and they were also um, workers who shared the same trade. They were all tent makers. So while Paul was preaching there, in his spare time or his extra time, he was he was working so that he would not have to receive support from the new converts there. And it seems that Paul's choosing not to receive living expenses from the church caused some, crazy as this sounds, some within the church to resent him in this way. Well, he, he's just working because he doesn't trust that we can support him. Um, so this, this became somewhat of an issue and an issue that needed to be addressed. Now, Paul moves from that in the next few verses of saying he absolutely, as well as the other apostles, had the right to receive his living from them. In verse 10, he goes back to an earlier analogy in chapter 3, you might remember, where Paul called the church in Corinth God's field. Um, and he also called God's building. But, um, but God's field, he kind of runs with that here in just a little bit. And he says, moving on into verse 11, he says, if, if we planted 
spiritual things within you, do we not have the right to receive material things from you? And the difference between those two things is this. Now, material is just, is things, I mean, it's goods. Uh, it is things bought by money. It is more than anything, <laughs> probably one of the best descriptions of it in, in terms of time, is it's temporary. It does not last. And what is sown spiritually in Christ is eternal. So what he's saying is, if we are giving you eternal things, do we not have the right to receive from you um, things that are worth much less because they are temporary, material things? And the answer is, once again, yes, absolutely. Um, as he moves on through it, uh, we need we need to kind of understand, and you can you can read about this in, in Acts chapter eighteen, Acts chapter twenty, and see it wasn't just in Corinth that Paul had this practice. He did the same thing in Ephesus. It wasn't just Corinth. Um, Paul did this on purpose. Paul, when he went to plant a church in a region or in a town or in a city, he did not want to leave room for critics, for those to be able to say, well, he's just preaching this message because he wants our wallets. He just wants our money. Um, And then he goes on to say in verse 12, he said, we endure all things for the sake. Well, I can just, we'll just read it here uh, for you. He says this, if others share this right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we meaning the right of getting a wage from you, getting an earn, earning a living from you. Nevertheless, we did not use this right, but we endure all things so that we will not we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. We endure all things. When I see that 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 phrase endure all things, and I think of First Corinthians, it's not chapter nine that my mind goes to. It's chapter thirteen when we get that incredible description from Paul of love, when it speaks of this love, hopes all things, lo- hope endures all things. So Paul did this through love. Um, and that's what he wanted the people to understand. It's just crazy that they turned this uh, this act of love against him. And Paul, as he wraps this up in verses 15 through 18, he makes it clear that he was not going to stop doing this, whether it be in Corinth or whether it be elsewhere. Um, this was his boast. His boast was this, so that he could give people the gospel without charge. That's that that was something he boasted. Now what he he also said, kind of ironically, what he could never boast of though was actually preaching the gospel, um, and he made this very very clear, um, just with the analogy of, of of a slave does not boast of his obedience to his master. The slave has no option but to serve the master, and and Paul was the slave of Christ, so he just did what he was supposed to do, and his reward his reward was willingly being able to sacrifice to be able to preach the gospel without charge. That was his reward and why he did this. Um, And like I said, it ties in so very, very well with the subject that brought all of this up. Also, his willingness to sacrifice the right to eat idol meat. Um, Because if, if it was going to cause one of his brothers or sisters to stumble, he wanted nothing to do with it. So, once we get together tonight, and tonight is um, February 9th, and we'll be taking, uh, taking pl- the class will take place at 7 p.m. We'll have a meal at 6 o'clock to, to, before it. We'd love to have you join us. There'll be classes for all ages tonight, um, so bring the kids and come, and um, we'll dive into the rest of this chapter. And I need to just give you a little heads up. 
Um, now, I don't know how good class is going to be tonight. We'll just see. Um, I'm going to try to prepare well for it, but I will not I will not do justice to the passage. I can tell you that with certainty because the rest of chapter 9 is incredibly powerful. And it gets right to the heart of Paul's heart for people and his heart for ministry and his heart for evangelism, bringing people to the Lord. So I am very excited about um, class tonight and seeing what we can pull out of the rest of chapter 9. Uh, again, I hope you can join us. Uh, again, this is February 9th. Uh, class will be at 7 o'clock this evening. Hope you have a good day. We'll talk to you soon.